Hi, everybody, and welcome to Martin Bandike Undercovers for December 2021, produced in partnership with the Ann Arbor District Library. This month's interview is with Michael Spitzer about his book, The Musical Human, A History of Life on Earth. Music fills our lives today. How we have created, performed, and listened to this music throughout history has defined what our species is and how we understand who we are. And yet music is an overlooked part of our origin story. The musical human takes us on an exhilarating journey across the ages to explore the vibrant relationship between music and the human species. The musical human boldly puts the case that music is the most important thing we ever did. It is a fundamental part of what makes us human. I began my interview with Michael Spitzer by asking him what inspired him to write his new book and how long he spent writing The Musical Human. A a lifetime, uh, a full career of thinking about it, but the best things come um, with deadlines. And I was given a two-year deadline, which focused the mind, which made me read, furiously read hundreds, if not thousands of books and listen to a lot of music. The the idea um, came from listening to... Yuval Harari, the author of Sapiens on the radio. So my elevator pitch to publishers was, I'm going to write um, a Sapiens for music. So it was the deadline that really was the big motivating, one of the big motivating factors for this. Your your book just has me pondering as someone who's been doing radio and used to play music in bands and just grew up literally listening and enthralled by music my whole life Mm. to step back and go, why am why am I so obsessed? Why is this so important to me? And why is musical just one of the defining aspects of humanity? It's it's not food, it's not water, which we absolutely have to have to live. And yet I can say that about music. If we didn't have music, I would I wouldn't want to be here. I mean, I really mean that. And that and that's true for a lot of us. Uh, why wh- why is this so life sustaining? I and I I, I and I never stop to think about this because it's just so inherently mm-hmm. part of it. Why is it so important? It's two reasons. Firstly, uh, music is a full body experience. It recruits the mind, the the soul, the body through dancing, the emotions and memory. Also, music is a lot lot older than both language and reason which at a stretch are about 100,000 years. Music, as my book says, is millions of years old. It goes back to the dinosaurs. And we know that because whales have music, whales sing, birds have music, uh, apes vocalize, and we evolve along the ape line. And the musical human is a musical animal. We're, We're animals. And music is a lot more fundamental. It speaks to our emotions and our gestures and our our movements, which are more important to us than the languages. And does does um, the whole you know propagation of the species have something to do with this? It seems it seems like that that that's the essential part of uh, of everything else. You know, is this is there music to to uh, for males to attract females, and is is that part of it as well? Sure. So Charles Darwin's theory was that music originated through sexual selection. Birds sing to attract a mate, and the more complex a nightingale song, the more sexy 
used to the females. Birds also use music to deter rivals and establish a home. We do very similar things. Music is the food of love. We, we sing, we play a guitar to attract groupies. And the kind of genre we like, if we are a metalhead, a rapper or a Tchaikovsky nut, that's the person we are. We define our identity through our musical choices. So we're just like birds. So funny. So funny. And how do you, you say that we know that music goes back just, just so far. It's, it's hard to imagine. What are some of the reasons? I mean, recorded music only stretches back to what, barely over a hundred years or so. Well, what was the first recorded music? Edison cylinders? Was there something before sure, Edison sure. cylinders? Sure. Uh, uh, well, um, Edison invents the phonograph in 1878, and before that, we have no sonic record. But look, the first syrinx, which is the bird's larynx, was a fossil of that, um, belonging to a bird called the Vigarvis yaya, and the fossil is 66 million years ago. Birds sing, so this is evidence that there was melody in the Cretaceous period 66 million years ago. If you go back deeper in time, uh, 135 million years ago to crickets, crickets chirp in time, they got rhythm. <laughs> so we know there was rhythm in the Jurassic period. This is Jurassic music. And what human music is, we are the great synthesizer. We put things together. We put rhythm from insects together with melody from birds, culture from whales, gesture from apes, and what we have by 40,000 years ago, we have a, a synthetic package of different musical parameters. We're not original. We put things together. We are the great synthesizer. This great synthesizer, great synthesizer. So go, let, let's go back here. Um, who, who is first responsible, not quite far as back as millions of years, but we're, okay, we've recorded music, okay, within about the last 100, 150 years or something like that. And then before that, yes, there was, there's been musical notation. When, when, when did that begin? Is there like any person or persons who, who started, who we can identify as beginning, you know, musical notation? So people could, you know, read music? How far back does that go, Michael? The very first notated piece of music goes back to the, the Sumerians, 1400 BC, Hurrian hymn number, number six on clay, on clay tablets. But the, the West invents what we call staff notation. That's writing dots on, on lines. Uh, Guido D'Arezzo, who was an Italian monk working for the Catholic Church, he invented around um, a thousand years ago. And that's really important because once you have music, you can take over the world because music uh, notation was a tool of uh, centralized church control. And through notation, by writing things down, the church knows that if a monk is singing songs where I come from near Hadrian's Wall in Northern England, they're literally singing from the same hymn sheet. You can control what people are singing. And once you start to globalize, once you send um, soldiers to Spain, so Cortes lands in Mexico in 1519, the same sailing ships bringing soldiers are bringing scores of Spanish polyphony. Mm. So you colonialize the Aztecs. The Aztecs start to sing Spanish polyphony by 1530 in Mexico Cathedral. So incredibly useful for, for globalization. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Let's jump to the, the very beginning of your book, which is just particularly fascinating as well, where you talk about the, the music that, that is currently, wow, how far away from Earth right now that was sent on, on the uh, Voyager spaceship. For, for those who may not remember this, what, what, what is this all about? Forty years ago, NASA sent a golden record on Voyager, and the record contained samples of all the world's music. So alien uh-huh. ears will pour on panpipes from the Solomon Islands or Gamelan from Bali um, or Chuck Berry or <laughs> Beethoven or, or Bach. And so my thought experiment is, given the huge diversity and array of these musics, what does it all have in common? And what constitutes the musical human? What is human underpinning this diversity of musics? That's where I started from. And yeah, you include what the quote from Steve Martin saying, there should be more Chuck Berry on that record. That's right. Before we go any further, too, I want to hear about what are your personal musical tastes? What what do you 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 cover just such the the whole spectrum of music in your book, Michael? But what what do you listen to the, the most at home? I'm just curious. I'm, I'm an obsessive. Once I listen to a piece of music or a song, I listen to it c- continuously. So I discovered indie music quite late in life. I was a Sufjan Stevens fan. Oh. Uh, uh, I love Illinois. I played it to death. It's, oh, it's his yeah. best record. I love Arcade Fire. So um, Funerals or The Suburbs or Arcade Fire. I think Mozart is God, so I listen to his music <laughs> music all the time. Uh, I play the shakuhachi, which is a Japanese flute. Oh, Japanese well, flute. Oh, okay. A bamboo flute, as well as viola and piano. So, and I, most of my students in Liverpool are popular music students, so I need to teach and um, reaching out to people who can't read music and whose knowledge base is not Western classical music. I say, I say. What what part of the the brain is, is energized or is is most in use when we listen to music and when we play music? What what the human brain does, it connects uh, sound with motion, and only the human brain does that. So the auditory cortex, which processes sound, creates connections with the motor cortex, which is responsible for for movement. And and this is why um, humans associate music with gesture and motion and traveling, and only we do that. Um, so we, we process that the brain is like an onion. It has layers. All right. Um, so the neocortex, the surface and most um, advanced level, is where we process patterns and conventions or knowledge. Once we dive deep into the brain, to the amygdala, we hear musical emotions there. At the deepest level, at the um, the, the uh, limbic system, the, or the reptile brain, this picks up shocks, loud bangs or surprises. And uh, every level of the brain is engaged by music. The, the, uh, the, the most primitive uh, shocks, emotions, and complex patterns, which, which is why listening to music is a little bit like time travel that our brain contains evolution within itself. Um, so we're, we're human, we're, we're mammals, and we're also reptiles when we listen to music. And so listening is not a passive activity. We're mentally traveling back, what I call, um, down, down, down to um, 
uh, an umbi- umbilical cord back to Mother Nature. We, we come in with, with, with being be, being animals. Mm. And he goes far deeper than, than, than mere language. Mm. It's just the, uh, the, the profundity, just the, how the, the profound nature of listening to um, music on, on so many levels for me. Now, it never ceases to amaze. It can bring up the memory of someone who's no longer here, someone who you may have been involved with on a personal level, but isn't here. Um, just the, the, as we grow older, Michael, we're just losing so many iconic musicians and, and, and it, it changes once they're gone. I mean, listening to the Rolling Stones for me is different now that Charlie Watts is gone. Cause I'm a, I love the band so much. And I was a drummer very actively mm. for, for years. And he, there, there's something where, you know, you'll put out whatever it is, Miles Davis kind of blue, you know, Ravel piano concerto by your favorite orchestra and piano and something you may have heard hundreds of times and you put it on and it's the, the same goose bumpy thrill as the first time. And it's, it's this vivid and, but yet fresh experience. And I, I can never, I, I'm, I love it, but I never understand completely why, why that's happening. Why, why is it, why is music just always so fresh, even though we can listen? I mean, if I get a new song in the studio, I'll, I'll just, I'll listen to it 50 times in a row. I mean, it, that's real common to me. And it's almost like a drug where I just, I, I want to hear it again and again and again. What, what's going on there? I don't quite understand. The, reason why music is if you like so sticky Sticky. things sticky things stick to it it's like a sponge which absorbs memory it's because it's so physical it's not it's a little bit like smells smells or touches you you remember smells or touches much more viscerally than thoughts or ideas and music is like that it's um it's called honey the playing my song phenomenon that it takes you back in a flash to, you know, that first kiss or. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Uh, it's that link between music and memory. It's so fascinating, isn't it? Yeah. I know it's, it is, it's just, it, yeah. It just takes you across time just so instantly. I'm one of these people too, where I, I grew up, uh, you know, in the vinyl era and my, my dad worked at a small, uh, you know, mom, pa, his brother-in-law had a small record store in the late fifties and early sixties. And I got so used to certain records that had skips in them. I almost didn't like new copies as much because I was, I got so used to the skips that, that in the records that, that I grew up listening to, and I mean, that's why I'm here, I swear, because my dad brought home Dave Brubeck and Charles Mingus records and Dan Clyburn playing Prokofiev piano concertos. And it just set off some type of spark that that is still, you know, this this lit flame to, to this day. What what was it with, with you? Were you a, a kid when, when you discovered music and, and had it turned it into a career? What, what was it with you, Michael? I was probably about five or six, and yeah. the first time I heard my um, parents, uh, I grew up in Israel, by the way, oh, so really? the first time I, I heard um, a record player in those days, in the 70s, it was like magic. He was like the, a, a voice coming out from beyond. He was, it was, it was glowing. I didn't know what he was, but it felt like home. It felt like mother, <laughs> you mm. know. Um, mm. 
it's it's it speaks to you from from beyond i'm I'm not a religious person but the nearest i have is the quasi spirituality that music affords me well let, let's leave you with just one more question here what what do you hope readers of, of the musical human what most do you hope that people glean from your writings about music the history of music and and why it is just so essential you call this yeah, i mean just absolutely essential to our lives. It's one of just the dis- defining aspects of humanity. Well, what more do you want people to take away from your book? The take a message is that most of us in the world today um, consume music passively. We don't participate. Mm. We're listeners. We're not makers. Yeah. And that's not the case either globally, where most of the world outside the West is ac- an active participator in music. It's not the case historically, where before the present day, nearly everybody had a stake in making music. So um, the pandemic reminded us of how important music is to, to make connections with each other. We connect. We may take it for granted because it's as invisible as oxygen, but we would not flourish without either air or music. We're reminded of how integral music is to the to ev- the evolution of our species. And so the big story I tell in the book is that this goes back a long, long way. It's our you know umbilical cord of where we came from. So let's not take music for granted. Let's remember it. Let's cherish it. Um, it's, it's what we are. It's why we're human. Thanks for listening to Martin Bandike Undercovers for December 2021. Our interview was with Michael Spitzer about his book, The Musical Human, A History of Life on Earth. This has been a presentation of the Ann Arbor District Library.